The following was recorded at New Church in Ventura, California. Pastor Jesse Giglio is speaking. Uh, this morning, I want to talk about anxiety. Anyone ever have anxiety? Can anyone relate to anxiety? A couple of you and a bunch of liars. All right, let's see where we're at. If you have never experienced anxiety, please come up here and enlighten us. If you are that person, I'd love to have a conversation with you. We all sort of experience that, whether you admit it or not or just don't like to raise your hand. But there are things that come that, that make us anxious. I mean, if, you, if, you, if you're not there now, you've been there in the past, you may get there again. And to some degree, as we walk this life out with God, we, we learn and learn to continue to hand those things over to him. But anxiety is, is really a plague among many people, and some struggle with it more than others. I, I experienced this you know, throughout the week, in and out of my you know, meetings and life and family and the brewery. I think one of the things I notice about a lot of people that's just sort of this affliction is loneliness. I think there's a lot of people who are lonely, as busy as life is, as connected as we all are. There are a lot of people who are lonely. There are also a lot of people I encounter, they just deal with anxiety about big things, about little things, about stuff that's going to happen or hasn't happened yet or they think's going to happen, about where your life's going. And I think if we're honest, many of us can deal, can relate to that. And some of us, again, deal with that better than others. So we're going to poke around today, just some principles, how we can handle our, our anxiety, how we can keep our anxiety at a low, how we cannot lean into anxiety, how we can almost detox from anxiety. Some of us need to anxiety detox. You're just an anxious person, and you need to detox from that kind of thing because anxiety and worry, if we're not careful, if you just kind of give into it too many times, it becomes a primary way you end up relating with the world. You just worry about stuff. And I'm not going to make you raise your hand, but some of you know, like, yeah, that's me. I just worry about stuff every day. I worry about stuff that's going to happen af after church. I, mean, I worry about stuff that's going to happen tomorrow, what's going to happen next week. And we carry that stuff, and we look at life and think, all right, that's a bunch of stuff I have to worry about. That's a bunch of stuff now that I have to be anxious about. And that's not, that's not the, the life Jesus called us to. When he calls us this life of fullness and abundance, it's not a life of anxiety. In fact, he talks against anxiety. So give me that stuff. Give me your cares. Give me your burdens. So I was talking to a guy yesterday at the, at the, down at, at Made West with the brewery I was working. There was a going-away party in there, and I just made conversation with the group. It was a young guy. I said, hey, what's going on with this party? What's the occasion? He's like, oh, it's my going-away party. I said, oh, cool. Where are you going? He said, I'm joining the police academy. I'm going up to Sacramento next, uh, next week to, to boot camp. And I was like, man, that's really cool. And I kind of started talking with him throughout the evening, and I asked him at one point, like, man, are you nervous about this? Are you nervous to go to the police academy to go to boot camp? And he was, you know, probably 20, young 20s. I said, nah, you know, I was like, I was in Explorers, which is a police academy kind of, you know, young Explorers program. He's like, in Explorers, he's like, I've been up to Sacramento. I've kind of been there, and this is just what I want to do. And I thought, that's a good answer. He's like, you know what, I prepared for this. I've been thinking about it. I've been to the physical place before. I have some visibility into what's going to happen. And I said, yeah, I I'm good. I'm excited for it. I was like, man, good for you. And he said, yeah, but still, you know, I was up Monday night all night long thinking, holy S, I'm going to the police academy. And he's like, I didn't sleep a wink. And so a lot of us kind of live in that both end, right? We can say, yeah, you know what? I'm okay. God's got this. I've been there before. It's going to work out. But... I also was up all night the other night worrying. And I think that's just fair, right? For some of us, we go into those places. And it's easy to say that answer when people ask how you're doing. Ah, oh, you know, it's all right. I got this. I've prepared for it. I've been there before. It's going to work out. And not like holy S, this is happening. 
And we kind of have to lean into both those places to acknowledge the sort of frailty of those moments that we all have. That's okay. Acknowledge that in yourself, like I am super freaked out about this. And then how do we turn that over to God and turn that into a positive experience? I mean, I had this night probably a few months ago. I was up and I was, I was just thinking and, and praying and started thinking about my kids. Like, man, I'm, my kids are going to be okay and, you know, where they're going to end up and, you know, where they're going to live and, you know, what jobs they're going to get. I'm like, man, how, how, how am I going to pay for college? And you never, ever go down these kind of tracks, even if you don't have kids. Maybe you don't have kids, but it's just your own personal life. And you start going down, like, how am I going to pay for college? I'm like, man, how am I going to pay for the weddings? And, like, you know, none of them are even engaged. and None, none, none of them are even, even dating. But how am I going to pay for the weddings? Like, oh, man, crap. They're all going to, all their weddings are going to have to be at the brewery. That's the only place I'm going to be able to get. That's it, kids. You know, we're, we're get, using my discount. We're going to ha- have a beer wedding. And, and I'm like going down this road. I'm like, man, am I going to, I'm never going to be able to retire. Man, like at some point, I started thinking about my, I'm like, I, I took it all the way down to my parents. I'm like, gosh, who's going to, I'm oldest of five boys. I'm like, who's, who's going to care for my parents? My brothers are kind of in, in okay places of life, some better than others, but there's just not a ton of resource around. I'm like, gosh, I'm going to have my parents. And, they're going to have to come live here, and, like, that's going to freak Amy out. And, like, I mean, I'm serious, you know? And it's just in these minutes of just sort of giving into this place of just sort of, like, I'm just, I just went there. In this stuff that, that I don't even know if it's going to happen ever, right? Now, some of those things we plan for, I'm not saying don't plan for retirement and, and use wisdom financially, but that should take the pressure off those things. Like, don't just start worrying about stuff that isn't there yet, stuff that, that hasn't even happened. But we so easily project that stuff into our future, especially if you're worried. You get worked up. And you never wake up in the morning from one of those nights thinking, man, I'm so glad I spent the whole night awake worrying. I feel great today. Got that out of my system. Worrying and being, and being anxious and fueling your own anxiety, because a lot of times we do that, the center of the word anxiety is the letter I. I. A lot of times it sort of comes from within things that we think we control, things that we're going to worry about. When we fuel that stuff, it doesn't satisfy it. It just really creates more. I've never worried stuff out of my system. Man, if I just really give in and, and worry as deep as I can, then I'll be fine. Oh, man, it just leads to other things. At least you're thinking about your parents across the country, and, you know, it's, it's crazy. But we've been there, and the Bible has a couple great passages on this, and we're going to look at this story of this old king today, and I think we'll get through most of it. It's in Chronicles, but let me read this passage. These times when we get this, this is an encouragement, this, this letter to this, these people, and this is a New Testament letter to this church at Philippi, the Philippians, and the writers really try to encourage these people who are living in a tough time. Their future is uncertain. They don't know about the government. They don't know if, if their religion is safe. They don't know if they're going to be fed to lions. It's a scary time for the church. The writer says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding where guards your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. This is a great refrigerator verse. Many of us have heard this. Many of us can quote this. Do not be anxious for anything, right? Which is like easy to say, more difficult to do. Do not be anxious for anything, but every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make a request to God. So bring this stuff to God with a grateful heart. Not a worrisome heart. Not a, not a heart that's like, man, this is not going to work out. But God, you are good. We all have things we can thank God for every given day. See you later, Norman. Hope to catch you soon, man. Get you back up here. 
Norman preached at our church a couple times, like a couple months ago, or a couple, first couple months in, but another story. But we, we, we can give these things up to God, or we can kind of lean into the anxiety. And the writer's saying, listen, be grateful. Because once you start having gratitude in your heart, once you start looking at your situation and say, man, you know, I have a lot of good things in my life, it presses down and forces out that worry and anxiety. I don't care how hard your life is. I mean, I can kind of look out at you, and I'm sure you all have stuff going on. But just where we live and who we are in the world, we have a lot of things to be grateful for that are like real low-hanging fruit. Be grateful. He says, bring gratitude, bring thanksgiving, present your requests, and the peace of God, which transcends and understanding, mean, meaning you won't understand why you feel okay, but you can feel okay. That's the, that's the reason a lot of times we're anxious because I can't figure out how this is going to work. I don't see where this is going. My mind cannot get my, I, I cannot get this, figure this thing out. The writer says, listen, don't worry about trying to figure it out. Don't worry about your mind. The peace of God will transcend that. And it will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. It will protect your heart and your mind. What it doesn't say, says when you are anxious about something, bring it to God and he will fix it. It doesn't say that. What it does say is that when you bring your petitions and your requests to God with a grateful heart, he will protect your heart and your mind from going into those dark, anxiety-ridden places. That's the arrangement here. Not he will make everything better, but he will do work on you. He will work on your heart. He will work on your mind. Not necessarily answer your prayer, though he does do that. He does deliver 100%. But prayer, a lot of times, is about changing us, not the situation. Because it's easy, man. If all these situations sorted out, I'd be a much better person. God's like, you know, I kind of want to roll with those tough situations and try to make you better for it. I, I don't personally enjoy that. I'm not saying I like that, how that works. But that's a lot of the times how it works. When you're going into a tough place, be grateful, acknowledge God, and this asset, he'll protect your heart and your mind through that season. And what will be, what, what will be, will be. Chronicles 20 offers this little story about this king. And this is, uh, this is years after King David. So the, the high time of Israel, David and Solomon and Saul, all those kind of really grand stories. It's sort of broken into the succession of shorter-term kings, and the kingdoms split up, and the whole nation's threatened, and eventually at some point here toward the end of this, this era, the nation of Israel that we've been following through the Old Testament is really just destroyed. The, the temple's destroyed, Jerusalem's taken down, but there's these stories in the Old Testament that talk about all these little kings, and there were a lot of really bad kings. And this king that we'll talk about today, he, he had his moments, but he really wasn't a good king. He led his people into wickedness, against God, and then at some point, God got a hold of his heart, and he sort of repented, his name's Jehoshaphat, and said, man, I, I, I've done this wrong, I repent, he puts himself before God, and he wants to lead his nation down a godly path, and this is where I pick up in, in 2 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles 20, he said, after this, so after, after this verse 1, he said, after this being, after he has sort of made himself right with God, and he's leading his nation the right way, right, so he's He's doing what God's asked him to do. He's leading his people. He's restored the priests and the temple. He's done all the good things. He's checked off his responsibilities. After this, the Moabites, Ammonites, and some of the Muites came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. You can throw a quick map up there, Jet. 
So after he's done all this good stuff, after he's gotten right with God, after he's, he's, he's corrected his heart, these three nations get together to wage war against him. And it's kind of small, but you can see these nations over here. Judah's got all this war. There's three nations are talking. They're all collaborating. Like, let's just wipe these guys out. We've been doing these petty battles for years, petty fights in and out. Let's get together and let's just stamp them out once and for all. That's what's at stake here. It's like we're going to unify all these, all these nations over here, and we're just going to crush Judah. We're just going to we're going to we're going to take care of business. Not not a not a good thing to come come at you. So some people came and told Jehoshaphat that they said a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It's already in Hazan Tamar. So it's like it's already close. It's coming. It's vast. It's massive. It's way bigger than we have. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town of Judah to seek him. Alarm. Now, now alarm can be feared. It can be shaken. It can be worried, right? Because he's just a person, too. He's a king. He's like, oh, my gosh, three nations are now got together, and they're going to crush us. Yeah, I'm alarmed. I'm scared. I'm fearful. I'm anxious, I'm worried, I'm shaken. I don't see how this is going to work out. Doesn't make sense. We can't fight these guys. What does he do? Resolved to inquire of the Lord. Resolved, decided, could be translated as turned, as the New American Standard Bible translated to turned. He turned to God. Armies attacking, impending dune, vast army turns to God, turns, looks at a situation, turns directly to God. And that becomes a question for us when we face fears and uncertainties and troubles of many kinds. Where do you turn to? Do you turn to yourself? Do you turn to just giving into it? Do you turn to, to foods, to alcohol? Do you turn to sort of gossip? Do you turn to, to anger? Do you just dive into fear? Where do you turn to? Who, to you, who do you turn to? When stuff's coming at you, do you just try to figure it out? I got this. I can figure it out. Vast army was coming. He turned to God. He didn't say he went right to his military strategists, which are good things to have. He said, let's go to the war room. Let's, let's sort this out. What are our escape plans? How much do we have built up? How many weapons do we have? How many men, women, and children can we use to fight? He turned to God. I'm going to inquire about God. I'm going to give this thing to God first. And the situation's nerve-wracking, and it's not just fear like an army's coming, but it's what they're going to do. They're on their way, and he's already projected, wow, they're going to crush us. Had they crushed him yet? No. He didn't know that for certain, but that just seemed like what was coming. And when we get in those places, we see stuff coming, we just project man, we're going to get crushed here. I'm going to get crushed here. I'm going to get humiliated here. I'm going to fail here. I'm going to get beat up here. I'm going to lose here. Hasn't happened yet, but you've seen something coming, and it just feels like that in your own heart. And this king, he's looking out at this, and he's fearing for his people. He's fearing that he's not good enough to lead this situation. He's fearing that he's going to fail God. He's going to fail his nation. 
And not for a bad reason. I don't want to say that the things you're worried about or anxious about aren't, aren't for good reason. That's not what we're talking about here. Sometimes there are good reasons. But it's how you deal with that. And he turned to God. And that fear of what's coming out of him, that's like the root of anxiety. It's what you're afraid of. And he led the people to come together and they seek God. Everybody came together and they started fasting. I don't want to say sometimes when we approach God and we have big things, we sort of throw it up flippantly like, let's see if this works. God, help me. And then you move on. These people really leaned into this situation. They all got together and they began to fast. They gave up their their food and drink, and they said, we're just going to pray and seek God. And sometimes to get this extraordinary help, we see see throughout through the text of Scripture, when people want to seek extraordinary help, they seek it in extraordinary ways. And so some of us, you feel like, man, I'm just not hearing from God. I'm not getting anything from God. It may take a little more effort from you. He may just be waiting to see what you're going to give. And he loves you anyway. He will move anyway. But there is something to that when they set themselves aside. Okay, we are really going to go in. We're not going to say, oh, God, help us, and then run off. So we're going to fast. We're going to lean into this situation. And they begin to pray, and there's this prayer here, and we'll, we'll read it. I just encourage you, 2 Chronicles 20, if you get time this week. Uh, it's, a, it's a great chapter. This prayer is just really rich. I'll make a few highlights on it today. It says, Jeho- Jehoshaphat gets together, and people are standing there. They're just sort of, they're waiting Lord God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all kingdoms of nations. Powers and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. So he he, he just presents God with his accolades, like, God, you're good. You're big. You're powerful. I'm not God. You're God. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friends? God, you've done some good work with us before. You've made promises to us before. They have lived in it and have built a sanctuary for your name, saying, If calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before his temple that bears your name. We will cry out to you in distress, and you will hear us and save us. But now here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came to Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy it. See, are they repaying us by driving at us? Then he says, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And I love this little prayer of, of, this, of this passage. If you can remember this prayer in your own heart, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. There is something so pure and profound about, and so beautiful about that. I see the situation, God. I do not know what to do. But my eyes are on you. I'm going to seek you through this, God. I'm going to seek you through this. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And all the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones stood before the Lord, and they just waited. And then God begins to speak back. He speaks back to the king. So King Je- Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God. This is really great encouragement for some of you. Remember that. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will, they will be climbing up the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge of the desert of Jeruel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position. Stand firm. See the deliverance of Lord, 
the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out and face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. And so God encouraged them. says, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. This battle's not yours. This battle's God. I've got this. But he does invite them to participate into it. He doesn't say, wait at home. I'll just take care of it. He says, come down to the lines and see the deliverance. Come down and, and meet with me as we go into battle. And that's just God's just request of us. He's not asking us to do the heavy lifting. He's not asking you to figure everything out. He's just asking you to be with him. He's like, man, I'm, I'm moving you through life. Just keep your eyes on me. You don't have to understand it. You can feel powerless. Just stay close to my side. And he invites the army to come down. So don't worry about this. I, I got this, but I want you here with me. I want you to participate with me. And the king, he gets before his guys and says, what should we do? How do we participate? And they said, well, let's, let's just sing praises. And they get their army together. In front of the army, they, they, they send a worship team. They send guys, guys to just start singing out to God. They start singing, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. And that's, that's how they went to war. And so they lived it out. When God said, listen, don't worry about it. I say, okay, I'm going to take a deep breath, and I'm just going to trust you. I'm not going to give in to that anxiety and fear. I'm going to walk this out. And when we, when we petition of God and we say, God, help me with my fears, help me with my anxiety, help me with my worry, he's like, I will, but I also need you to take a deep breath and let it go. Because when we ask him to help and then we still hang on to it, we don't get as good as a return. He's still going to help us, but we don't live in the freedom that we could experience. Judah didn't need to fight in this battle. But he wanted them there. He wants them there to watch. I don't remember their dads when they had projects to do, and you couldn't really help, but your dad wanted you to be there watching you do it. Any dads do that now? It's the same thing. When I have stuff to do, I love to pull the boys in. All right, check this out. We're going to you know, whatever, change the windshield wiper fluid. We're going to build a ramp, and maybe you can't help as much, but sit here and watch. Be part of it. And this is God's heart. Say, so listen, I, you don't have to do everything. I don't want you to do everything. If you try to help too much, you'll actually mess it up. But be here and watch. Be here with me. Be present. And so the Lord takes over, and there's chaos in these camps, and these armies basically they start fighting each other. And Jehoshaphat and his people and his men, they didn't have to do anything. They just came and carried out the plunder, and there was, two, there was enough plunder for like three days of collection, which is a major blessing. And they're in this, in, this, in this valley, and they're gathered there, and they, and they, and they hang out, and they start to, start to acknowledge God. They start to acknowledge what he's done, where he's taken them. And they hang out and, and, and give him thanks. And we, sometimes we forget to give thanks through those situations when we get through it. Because you're so engulfed on it in the moment. And then as it passes, like you've just moved on. But when we go back, like, man, thank you, God, for getting me through that. That helps us remember the next time it comes our way. And in this prayer that he prays, like, God, you've done this stuff before. You were with Abraham. You were Abraham's friend. I know that you can do that. Man, that gives us peace and comfort. So they hung out and they assembled in this valley of 
Barakah, and they praise the Lord. And this is why it's still called the Valley of Barakah this day. And the Valley of Barakah means the Valley of Blessing. And sometimes we have to go through the battle to get the blessing. Like something has to happen. Some kind of fight has to happen to get that blessing. And just a couple quick thoughts as we close to think about. Half the battle of anxiety is realizing when you're entering the battle. When you find yourself going down that road of worry, whether it's at night or the day or something's happening, just catch, try to catch yourself, oh, my gosh, I'm going into some sort of battle with something now. And am I going to turn to God and start dealing with it this way, or am I just going to stay here and, and dive in? I mean, half the battle of anxiety is just recognize that I'm being anxious right now. I'm being worried. This thing hasn't happened yet. Because just because the thought exists doesn't make it true. Just because the thought exists doesn't make it true. We think stuff way out in the future, that doesn't make it reality. That'd be an amazing superpower. You don't have it. You think you have it, and so you worry about stuff. That doesn't make it true. Some things, sure. A lot of things, not the case. Our dog, we have this little, like, chihuahua kind of wiener dog. Anytime someone approaches the door or knocks on the door, he's in, like, full, like, scratching at the door, barking, full-on attack dog formation, assuming someone on the other side of the door is going to try to come in and kill us. But we're like, dude, open the door. It's grandma and grandpa. You're fine. But sometimes you project what's on the other side of the door without even knowing. My life is going to be a failure. This is never going to work out. I'm never going to recover. You haven't seen the other side. Don't do that to yourself. And we forget that sometimes our fears, because even though our fears are out of our control, because they will come and go, they're still under his control. They're still under God's control. So your fears, sure, they may feel real to you. That's okay. I'm not saying ignore that. But remember, there is still a God in heaven who's above this situation. So I'm going to pray for you. We're going to close out in a, in, a, in a song. We've got a self-serve communion table kind of right in the middle of the room here. As Noah and Josh uh, play, I'm just going to extend an invitation to you to go. You can grab a cracker and dip it in. and We'll, we'll, we'll gather together and receive that at the end. But as you take a moment to remember, because that prayer, that Lord's Prayer at the table is remember me. Remember me. Remember I'm good. Remember I love you. Remember I can bring you through it. Remember I died. I rose again. They'll eventually get that part. Remember me. Remember me. God's good. If you lean into your heart, if you've been with God at any point in your life, if you remember a season, even as a kid, like I kind of remember God was good. Remember that. Remember that goodness. You can think of seasons in your life where you thought, man, I will never get out of this alive. Here you are. Here you are. Remember that season. And so when stuff comes at you again, remember, you know what? I don't know how it's going to work out. Somehow I got here. I have personally done a lot of dumb things in my life. Nothing which warrants me being afforded this, to, to be doing what we're doing, this beautiful community. But somehow I'm here. Somehow God has brought me through and got me to where he needs me to be. And he will continue to do that. So, God, thank you for your word. Thank you for story, God. Pray for a lift right now, God, as we, as we just hang out these last few minutes. People's hearts are heavy with anxiety and worry and fear about the now, about tomorrow, about next week, about the future. 
pray you begin to lift that, God. I pray you would give them the strength to release that to you, God. I pray you would guard our hearts and mind from anxiety and worry, Lord, that we may not only survive and thrive ourselves, but we be, will be a light to those we encounter. The Holy Spirit be with us now. The preceding was recorded at New Church in Ventura, California. Pastor Jesse Giglio was speaking. For more information about New Church, go to neuechurch.com. That website address again is neuechurch.com. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you and yours.